Welcome to another powerful word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church in the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Are you ready for the word today? All right. Well, open up your words this morning, if you would. Uh, to to uh, John, the eighth chapter, we'll be going there in just a moment. But uh, let me tell you, today we're going to talk about truth or fiction. Truth or fiction. Do you know people are erasing history, revising it, rewriting it, saying it didn't happen, not wanting to talk about it, trying to change it, trying to imagine it didn't shape us and who we are and where we are. In fact, you know, with so much of our history under current revision, or in some cases, eliminated altogether, well, uh, from our classrooms, you know, history is becoming a thing of the past. It is important that as a pastor uh, that, I, that I ensure that you don't miss out on all the things that God did in order to bring us as a church, as a family, as saved individuals to where we are today. You know, he, he has done a lot to preserve and to protect and to provide for us. He, he, he has done a lot. His plan from the very beginning, from the foundation of the world, from before time began, was to make sure that we did not forget all that he has done. In fact, he told the children of Israel, rehearse it to your children, rehearse it over and over. And then, you know, uh, 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 even, even greater than that, he actually just went ahead and told Moses, write it down. Write it down, and then he has instructed and commanded others throughout our, our journey in his plan to write it down. Something you may not be aware of is that as of September, listen now, this is crazy, September 2020, listen to this, 70% of American colleges and universities do not even require a U.S. history course to be taken for their history majors. Hold on a second. Were you aware of that? 70% of the colleges and the universities in America do no, no longer require U.S. history as a part of their history major program. Now that is, just shocks me. For example, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, history majors at, at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, Chapel Hill, if you're going to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, listen to this. They require you to take African history, Asian history, and either Middle Eastern or Latin history for their degrees, but not American history. Yale University, University of Pennsylvania, University of Chicago, they do not even require a course in American history for you to get a history degree from their universities. What is going on? Well... You know, there are five important world events that are in the process of being stripped from our textbooks for our elementary, secondary, and higher learning institutions. Five important world events that are being dropped or else they're under review. They've already been dropped by some states. And they're under review to be dropped by many others. Listen to these uh, 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 important world events that are being 
dropped and, and will not be reviewed, will not be mentioned. The American Revolutionary War. World War I, World War II, the Civil War, and the Holocaust. Taken out. Some states have completely, in fact, uh, Minnesota, they won't even review it for another 10 years. Amazing, huh? Does that shock anybody? Yeah, there's a lot going on in our, in our world and in our nation, in our families, among our children and with our up-and-coming leaders of our nation that will not even be exposed if this continues to what happened and what brought us to a place of, 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 of revolution, of what brought us to the place of civil war, what, what happened as six million Jews were killed by an evil Nazi regime in Germany and not just there but hunted them down all over the world. And not just the Jews but those in their communities and their countries who were, who were uh, you know, a special needs group. Killed them. That won't even be known. What brought us to this point? It's amazing. Well, you know, I am so glad that we, as a church, that we believers through the centuries, through the millennia, we have not allowed social agendas or, or special interest groups or the ever-changing public opinion to threaten us with gang violence or with, or, or, or with loss of income causing us in some way because of some special interest to, to, to rewrite the Bible and to do away with some of the things that God preserved for us and protected and gave us as, 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 as the history of all that He had done, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Not everything in the Bible is pointing at, you know, this is how you should be, this is what you should do. There are a lot of things that point to this is what you should not do. And these lessons are very, very valuable. I am so glad we have not allowed uh, the Word of God to be rewritten, altered, to somehow fit a special interest or a social agenda or public opinion. We, we have not allowed ourselves to see a revision of the gospel of Jesus Christ because any revision of the gospel of Jesus Christ could only, at best, be a fable, be fiction, or be a fantasy. Jesus is the truth. God saw fit to give us a written account of those things that were most dear to his heart, that were most dear to his hope for us, hoping that we would see things that we did not want to repeat, hoping we would understand that, that if you do not follow Christ, you're in for a difficult life. Just look at those who did that. I'm truly thankful for the Bible. It is God's holy word. Amen? It is a rock on which I can always depend. I can always go to it for answers. And even though the questions may change from generation to generation, the answers never do. This is the same answer. I'll get the same answer that Moses would have gotten if he'd have gone to God. The same answer that Abraham would have gotten. The same answer that Jesus would have given the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The, the, the same answer that the Apostle Paul offered those at Mars Hill. Though many may have tried to destroy the Bible for 
centuries, tried to remove it, ignore it, malign it, deny it. They have tried to minimize it, make it out to be a lie. Nonetheless, it will never change. We have this guarantee from God that the Word of God will never change. From the first letter of Genesis to the last letter of Revelation, the Bible is true. It is everlasting. It is imperishable. It is the Word of Almighty God, and it is without equal. What a privilege we have today to hold in our hands, whether you hold an electronic copy or, or a hardback copy or a scroll, whatever you may have. What a privilege it is for us to hold the everlasting eternal plan for the redemption of mankind, to hold a copy of it in our hands, to have access to it, and to know that it is true and everlasting. You know, the accounts of Noah and Abraham, Sarah and Rachel, Moses and Joshua, Rahab and Tamar, Boaz and Samson, Ruth and Deborah, David and Solomon, Bathsheba and Abigail, and Esther and Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and Mary and Joseph and the disciples of Jesus Christ and those who, who helped build the first churches in that first hundred years. You know, what a privilege it is for us to have these accounts today. What a privilege it is for me to understand that when Samson, in, in Judges, the 16th chapter, when he fell in love with Delilah, the Bible says that Samson loved a woman named Delilah in Sorek, that whenever he fell in love with her, that he was blinded. What a Great testimony it is for me to see how that matches up with all the other scriptures. How that the Bible says that love covers the multitude of sins. So that his love was covering up. We often look at, at Samson and Delilah's relationship and we imagine that who in the world would not have seen that Delilah was an evil person? Why would you in the world would you connect with someone who's going to cut your hair and poke your eyes out and sell you into slavery? It's because he was blinded, because love blinds. It all fits together. To teach us that we should be careful with the things that we fall in love with. You should be careful with who you date. Because if you date somebody, you might fall in love with them. And you fall in love with them, your heart might be knitted to their heart, and you become blind to all of the things that other people easily see. Samson was blinded, but he wasn't blinded on the day they put his eyes out. He was blinded back on the day that he allowed himself to fall in love with evil. You see, many people, they know the scripture that says God is love. But they don't realize that, that the opposite of that is not true. Love is not God. Love not the world. They'll blind you. Love not the things of the world, all the trappings of the world. I know I bought a ski boat one time. It blinded me. <laughs> I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a ski boat. In fact, you can find a scripture in Timothy that says that God gives you richly all things to enjoy. You can enjoy things. Just don't love things. Don't love the things of the world. And there's a whole big difference between the things you have and the things that have you. And when something gets a hold of you, 
And it's not Jesus Christ. It can blind you. Other people see it plainly in your life, but it can blind you. And you can imagine that that drug or that alcohol or that that, that woman or that that man or that, 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 that adventure or that pursuit is going to give you what you need. It's not going to give you what you need. It's fable. It's fiction. It's fantasy. Almighty God, through the person of Jesus Christ and his blood, is what you need. We can't get more plain than that. And that's why I'm so glad I have a history book. I can learn from Samson and not have to repeat it. I can learn from, from uh, Joseph the things I should do whenever I find myself in a difficult place. I should blossom where I'm planted. When I find hardship and heartache, I can see from the Word of God what people did that I want to do and what they did that I don't want to do. The Word of God is powerful. It is history. It is His story. His tree. The history of God bringing Jesus to a lost and a hurting world. It is the truth. And the truth has power. Fiction, fable, fantasies do not have power. Only power to deceive, but do not have power, real power. Listen to these powerful words. As Jesus said in John the 8th chapter, verse 31, 32, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, Do you believe him? He said, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. You're really my disciples. It's not just lip service you're giving me. You didn't go down to Kinko's and get you a card printed that says Christian. You're not just wearing the hat or the t-shirt. You're not just going through the motions. But rather, you are my disciples indeed. Disciplined followers of Christ. You are my disciples indeed. And look what he said right at that. If you continue in his word, if you abide in his word, you will become disciplined in following Christ. And then he says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Wow. Now that's the truth. But it's predicated upon following Christ. You won't know the truth if you don't continue in his word. Oh, you may think you have truth. You may, you may find something really sweet and nice and wonderful that makes you feel all warm and fuzzy and you should hang it up on your wall, you know, and, or quote it or learn the words, but it's not going to change your life. Let me tell you what changed your life. What sets you free is the word of Almighty God. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Man, where would we be without the written, recorded, boldly proclaimed gospel of Jesus Christ? I'm here this morning to proclaim the gospel. I'm here this morning to tell you the truth. I'm here this morning. Let me, let me do it like this, okay, so that no one will be mistaken, so all you going into seventh grade can understand. Okay? <laughs> I know you were upstairs last week. It's promotion Sunday. You're in here now where we're eating some steak. Okay? This is the steak. This is what happens. This is where it's at. And to believe anything else would be fiction, fantasy, or fable. Be it known unto all men. I decided to write it like that. Jehovah God Almighty, He created the heavens and the earth. Amen. 
That's the history. That's the truth. Nothing else happened. He did it. He created the heaven and the earth. And you might read in some book. You might go to school and read in some book that it happened some other way, but it didn't. That's fiction. That's fantasy. That's fable. It's a lie from the pit of hell. God created the heavens and the earth. Which God? Jehovah Almighty God created the heavens and the earth. He set the stars in their place. He rules the universe. He is eternal, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. He loves you. He knows your name. He knows the thoughts you are thinking. He knows the number of the hairs on your head. He knows you by name, and he wants to be your father. And it's your choice. That's the truth. Be it known unto all men that Jesus of Nazareth is the only begotten Son of God. He's not a good teacher. He's not a good preacher. He's not some prophet. He is the Son of Jehovah Almighty. He is the only begotten Son of God. Anything else is a lie from the pit of hell. You know the difference between my God and other people's God? My God has a son. My God has a son in whom he placed all of his authority and all of his Godhead. And my God's son gave his blood on the cross of Calvary for my sin. That's different than anybody else's God. Everybody else's God, fiction, fable, fantasy. This is the truth. Jesus was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He died a sacrificial atoning death. And he rose on the third day, victorious over sin, death, hell, and the grave. And guess what? He's coming again. He's coming to get his bride. Yeah. Glory to God. He's coming in the air. The next time, if you are born again, the next time you see Jesus, there'll be a big old smile on his face because it's wedding day. He's going to be excited. Now, the world won't see him at that time. But those of us who are born again, the bride of Christ, we will be caught up in the air to meet him. The dead in Christ shall rise at the last trumpet of God, and then we which are alive and remain shall be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, we shall be caught up from the earth changed and caught up into glory and there shall we ever be with the Lord and we shall go with the Lord for a happy wedding day a wedding feast and a happy honeymoon and then he's coming one more time to set his feet down upon the Mount of Olives and it'll split in two and he will bring a, a battle worth fighting he'll bring all his soldiers I'm gonna be on a white horse right behind him I hope coming in glory He's going to defeat the Antichrist. He's going to catch that old dragon, the serpent, Satan. He's going to get him by the tail, and he's going to bind him for a thousand years. That's not the last time he's going to get a hold of him. Next time he gets a hold of him, he's going to cast him into the lake of fire for eternity. Be it known unto all men, there is a heaven and there is a hell. Anybody tells you anything different is a lie. 
they're, well, I don't want to say they're a liar, but they're not telling you the truth. They may believe it, bless their hearts, okay? That's the worst thing at all is to believe something that is a lie. And you start telling other people. And you don't, you know, uh, I won't say that they are liars because that's different. But I will say, say that they're not telling the truth. God help them. They may not know it. There is a heaven and there is a hell. Don't believe otherwise. Don't, listen, what we're dealing with here is the truth. And what we have an opportunity to do with the word of God, with the blood of Jesus, and with the testimony of saints, even though it's hard and difficult, and even though we through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God, and even though we'll have tribulation in this world, nonetheless it's our responsibility to tell people the truth, lovingly and kindly, with care. Now, not everybody that gets born again is going to be perfect, by the way. But they will be perfected. We can't expect people to be perfect. You're not, are you? Are you born again? Are you perfect? No. But you are being perfected, and one day you will be perfected. Jesus will come one day to judge the earth and angels and men. There will be a new heaven and a new earth one day. Praise God. There will be no sickness, no pain, no death. Don't believe anything else. Contrary to some other faiths, you're not going to take, you know, your 70 virgins or all of your wives and repopulate some other planet. That's fable, fiction, and fantasy. Now, it's kind of, it's kind of difficult for me to imagine without the Spirit of God in my life it's kind of difficult for me to imagine all the things God said is going to happen wonderful for us. But when you get born again and the Holy Spirit comes into your life, you begin to see and believe with different eyes. You begin to understand with a different heart. You begin, you know, it is hard to tell somebody who's not saved about all the wonderful things, you know, uh, that, that are going to happen because the Bible says that the natural man cannot know. He cannot see. He cannot understand. He cannot discern the things of the Spirit. Listen, whenever you run into somebody that's not saved, don't try to argue with them about the revelation or the tribulation. My goodness, the first thing they need to understand is Jesus Christ is Lord. He'll save your soul. He'll forgive your sins. And he's given them enough faith to say yes to him, to believe in him. And once they say yes to him, he'll answer all these other questions in time. Don't be arguing with sinners about the tribulation. They can't begin to, Jesus said they can't understand that. Tell them about his love. Put a smile on your face and tell them about his grace and tell them about his salvation. And once, I tell you what, those seeds getting in the, 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 those little cracks and crevices of their mind, their heart, they will produce. And I tell you what, they will get born again. And all of a sudden they'll come to you and they'll say, I see it. You know, I see it different. Now, I mean, listen, it just happened, it just happened to Pastor Marcus, his brother, not long ago. And, and listen, Chris, if you're, if you're watching this, let me tell you, I'm so proud of you. And I hear how that things now look different than they looked before you got saved. When he read the books before he got saved and listened to the videos before he got saved, it didn't mean what it means today. Boy, that is the truth. Man. You know, if you don't believe me, just get saved and see. Okay. 
Be it known unto all men, Jesus will forgive your sins and save your soul if you call on him. He will. He will save your soul. He'll forgive your sins. And he'll bring you to heaven when you die. If you will but call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. How, however, Romans says in chapter 10, how shall someone call on someone, you know, that they don't even believe in or know about? And, 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 uh, he said, I'll paraphrase this. This is why I need somebody to go and tell. Because if we go and tell, they can hear and know, and they can call upon the name of the Lord. What a deal. The saved will enjoy eternity with Jesus. And by the way, it's all paid for. Okay? All paid for. Well, before our nation was born, way back in the 1700s, well, 1714, actually, in the wintertime, in December, a man named George Whitfield was born. He was born in Gloucester, England. Now, George wasn't perfect, but he has since been perfected. <laughs> After graduating from Oxford, he preached around England a little while. And then at the age of 25, in 1740, he moved to America. He began to preach and preach and preach and preach and preach. Over the next 30 years, he preached and preached and preached. If you want to read some history, read up on him. But I tell you what, you better hurry because the books are being recycled. These were critical years for our nation, but Whitfield preached to crowds of five. He would preach to crowds of 500. He would preach to crowds of three, 3,000. He would preach to crowds of 200, even to a crowd of 30,000. Amazing, huh? Well, over that 34 years of his preaching all put together, he preached more than 18,000 sermons. Isn't that amazing? And to more than 10 million people in person. Well... He just kept doing it. One city, one group, one revival, one person at a time. He just went from town to town to town. And if 10 people showed up, he preached Christ to them. And if 500 people showed up, he preached Christ to them. And if they shut down a factory, he'd preach Christ to them. And if he went on to the steps of some courthouse, he'd preach Christ to whoever showed up. 18,000 sermons. City to city to city. It is said that during those critical years in America, that 80% of those living in America, black, white, free, enslaved, young, old, didn't matter. That 80% of the people who lived in America across the board heard him preach in person. Wow. That just kind of amazes me. You know... The message in the meetings that surrounded you know, uh, 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 what Whitfield was doing was so intriguing that it caught the attention of Benjamin Franklin. And Benjamin Franklin wanted to know what all the hubbub was, you know, because here, I mean, people were pouring out. Whole cities were getting born again and, and, and changing. And people, I mean, you know, uh, 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 industrial workers, farmers, uh, you, know, uh, you know, there were no pilots, uh, but... Uh, 
He would lead people to the Lord, just absolutely anybody, anytime, anywhere. So Benjamin Franklin wanted to know what this was. Benjamin Franklin went down to where he was preaching. He was preaching on the, on the steps of the courthouse in Philadelphia. And so Benjamin Franklin went up to the front of the crowd. And he looked at the crowd. It was so huge. And so Benjamin Franklin, being the mathematician and the skeptic that he, that, that, that he was with other things, and, and being, you know, rather, you know, he wanted to know, he decided he wanted to know how many people were out here and how far could you hear this man? Because, you know, there are no microphones, no anything. And so Benjamin Franklin started stepping off his strides. And when he got to 500, he stopped and looked around and he could still hear Whitfield preaching repentance and salvation that only comes through Christ. And he surveyed the area and in his mathematical calculations said that there were, you know, that, that, that this is enough place for 30,000 people to hear him plainly preaching repentance and the way to Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? Wow. Well, it so intrigued Benjamin Franklin in the following weeks. Listen to what Benjamin Franklin wrote. Better hurry, get you a history book, okay? Because you weren't taught this. This one's been gone out of history for a long time. Sad to say. Wonderful change soon made in the manners of our inhabitants. From being thoughtless or indifferent about religion, it seemed as if all the world were growing religious so that no one could walk through the town in an evening without hearing psalms sung in different families of every street. He said this completely changed Philadelphia. And every street you'd walk down, you could hear families singing psalms and praise to Almighty God. It changed things because the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Word of God, His story has the power to change lives. George Whitfield said this, as God can send a nation or a people no greater blessing than to give them faithful, sincere, and upright ministers. Now listen, there's no greater blessing to a nation than to have faithful, sincere, and upright ministers. So the greatest curse that God can possibly send on a people in this world is to give them over to blind, unregenerate, carnal, lukewarm, and unskilled guides. There's no greater curse than to take the Word of God out of the pulpits and out of the homes, out of the schools, and you're left with no one. You're left with unregenerate, carnal, or at best lukewarm, blinded guides. My goodness. He pulled no punches. He, he further is quoted, and there's, there's plenty of quotes if you want to you know, hunt for them, but they may not be on the first page of Google. It is a poor sermon that gives no offense, that neither makes the hearer displeased with himself nor with the preacher. <laughs> it means if I don't step on your toes, it's a poor sermon. If somebody here doesn't get a little upset with me or get a little upset with themselves, I probably hadn't done my job. So, be it known unto all men from this day forward, we're pulling no punches here. I'm not going to be a part 
of the curse in America. To where there's not a voice heard in the pulpit, on the street. A voice of truth with kindness and consideration, with care, but with loving firmness. That's what Jesus said. You'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. Jesus also said in Matthew 10, 34, Do not think that I am come to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. Now, as you consider that scripture, think about this. There is no way. Now, you have to interpret scripture with scripture. No scripture stands alone. But it has to fit into the one story God is telling. It's a story of redemption and a story of faith that we need in Christ. Jesus was in no way saying that he's, his end goal was to divide families. Don't go believing that. I'm, you know, people who are blinded might imagine that. People who are unregenerate might imagine that. People who are unskilled, carnal, might say that. But if you read this in context of Matthew 10, you will find that Jesus is saying that when you take a stand for me, it's not going to be popular. When you take a stand for me, I did not come to make you, my end goal, my, my greatest desire is not come to make you popular in public, not to win a popularity contest. If you're going to stand with me, it's going to divide people from you, even close people. But guess what? Through the years, I have seen so many people circle around and come back and say, I see it now. And be so glad that someone told them the truth about Jesus Christ and about the things that they need to do in their situation in line with the Word of God, loving and caring truth. The truth. Jesus was not suggesting that we divide. But let me tell you what he was saying. We must not hold our social acceptance higher or more than we do the truth. We cannot hold and cannot love, as Jesus put it, other things more than we love Him. This world will do everything possible to intimidate us and to force us to comply with their current truth or their agenda. One of the biggest ploys of the devil is aimed at making you afraid to stand up or speak up. Don't fall into that trap of self-censoring when it comes to Christ. When confronted by Nicodemus, Jesus told him plainly. Nicodemus was a powerful man, and Jesus said, you must be born again. He said, most assuredly, in John the third chapter, most assuredly, Nicodemus, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot even see the kingdom of God. He said, don't marvel that I said to you, don't, 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 don't be shocked when I tell you you must be born again. Why? Because without it, you go to hell. I know this is not a socially acceptable view. When someone asks you, do you believe that, 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 that only people who accept Jesus go to heaven? You need to say yes. It's not popular. It's not socially acceptable. It wasn't in Jesus' day and it's not today. But it is the only truth that saves. You see, without Jesus Christ, men will die in their sins. Without Christ, your mom and your dad will die in their sins. Without Christ, your son and your daughter will die in their sins. Without Christ, your husband or your wife will die in their sins. 
Without Christ, your brother or your sister will die in their sins. Without Christ, your best friends at school and their families will die without Christ. Not just in this life, but in eternity. We're talking an eternal, everlasting lake of fire. That should motivate us. Why would we allow the world, why would we allow the devil to intimidate us so that we self-censor and not share the living Word of God with those that we love? Today I plead with you as I close. Number one, repent and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Whether you're here on campus or whether you're watching online, I plead with you, I beg you, in the name of Jesus, repent and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Number two, I ask you to refuse to allow intimidation to censor the truth in your life. Refuse to be forced into compliance with this world's agenda. Refuse to tell a different story than the story of the Word of God. It's not being nice and kind when you don't tell someone about Jesus. Number three, resist being forced into compliance. Just like you would resist the devil, the devil is the one that wants you to shut up not God. Resist forced compliance just as you would resist the devil. After all, you know, he's just like a roaring lion. He's not a lion. The real lion is Jesus. Okay? Anything else is fiction. And number four, remember, remember only the truth can set people free. Only the truth well-meaning, misplaced, social love cannot help them. The love of Christ compels us to tell them the truth. And the truth is, you need Jesus. And when you get him, you'll see things different. Okay? Remember, only the truth can save. Thanks again for joining us for another dynamic message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.